It's time right now for In the Garden with Peter Burke. Our program today brought to you by Menard's family-owned True Value Store, Brooklyn Street in Morrisville. By V's Flowers and Garden Shop, Main Street, Waitsfield. By Broughton Big Country Hardware, your authorized Cub Cadet dealer in Bridport. By Clausen's Florist, Greenhouse and Perennial Farm, locally grown just for you, Main Street, Colchester. By your locally owned Montpelier Agway, East Montpelier Road. By Thomas Farm and Garden on the Barry Montpelier Road. By Sticks and Stuff and Swanton Lumber in Middlesex, St. Albans, Enosburg, Swanton and Derby, sticksandstuff.com. Guy's Farm and Yard Stores in Morrisville, Montpelier, Williston, and St. Albans. And by PR Lumber, family-owned lumber mill with all the lumber, mulch, and compost you need. Route 15 in Wolcott. And by the Willie Store in Greensboro, celebrating 120 years of family ownership. Peter Burke is here in studio to answer your vegetable gardening questions and uh, to hear your vegetable garden successes and or problems, hopefully more successes than problems. Telephone numbers are 244-1777, that's 802-244-1777. And here is the host of In the Garden, Peter Burke. Hey, Joel. Well, that's a good point. I like that. Uh, yeah, call in with your uh, and brag. We, that's that's what we want. We want to hear you bragging about your garden. <laughs> and uh, and it has been come almost an annual event. Um, my uh, good friend Mike, who was one of my garden buddies, we have a standing bet. Uh, a case of. Uh, a case of uh, root beer to a case of regular old Vermont beer uh, for the first one with the three-inch P, and of course he won again this year, <laughs> uh, but not by much. Uh, I've got a couple out there that are you know about two and a half inches long, and they're the the uh, sugar snap peas, and those guys are well over three feet tall. They're probably you know. Well, anyway, they're they're more than three feet, and they're flowering like crazy now. And and actually, some uh, some peas are are coming in. And uh, well, it was like last week. The lady said, "My my my sugar snaps never make it to the house," <laughs> <laughs> and and that's uh, that's what I'm hoping for. Well, my my dad was a was a big Henny Youngman fan from mm-hmm. the old community. Mm-hmm. He used to warn us kids. Mm-hmm. He said he would say, "You know, your mother cooks carrots and peas in the same pot." <laughs> <laughs> I always, as much as I love peas, I always think twice before. (laughs) No. (laughs) That's cruel and unusual punishment right there. I'll have to remember that. Uh, my grandsons are coming yeah, up today. And yeah, you warn a four-year-old. And for, and, and, and the kid, I mean, I'm, I'm 75, and I still remember that. <laughs> uh, my son would probably never forgive me if I said that to my four-year-old grandson. <laughs> but it sure makes me laugh anyway. So uh, I hope everybody enjoyed our, our visit with uh, Sarah and Steve uh, and uh, going over the mushrooms, the shiitake mushrooms. I find that really fascinating. And um, uh, uh, Sarah was uh, posting about her uh, garlic. They grow uh, a lot of garlic. And um, she said she saw signs of the leek moth damage. And so she was saying, watch out. Now, according to the maps from two years ago, the, um, the leek moth hasn't arrived in central Vermont and uh, the most of the upper half uh, from Central Vermont up. But, uh, you know, we may be seeing signs of that. Now, <clears throat> fortunately, there are um, the, the, the spinosad, which I mentioned before that I was going to use on my asparagus and, and also uh, for my cabbage worms, uh, also works on the um, 
on the uh, leek moth as well. And so you can um, you can use either the BT, the the bacillus there that that um, uh, let's see, thuringiensis, something like that. Uh, anyway, we call it BT, and the commercial name is thergicide, and that um, and that works very well on on both of the uh, cabbage worm and the um, and the leek moth. Uh, so, uh, and you'll see if you're not familiar with it, uh, it has a little, a small white worm, maybe quarter, uh, quarter inch, not too too long, not as big as the cabbage, uh, the cabbage worm. So, then you want to uh, go ahead and spray as soon as you see any evidence whatsoever, and then then the usual sort of keeping things clean at the end of the year, uh, raking up the soil so that uh, the adults that are in the soil uh, don't get a chance to winter over. Those are those are fairly common, um, you know, common, just good sense cleanup in the garden that will help uh, all the different ones. And um, a reminder, let's see, uh, on garlic, is that my scapes are actually just about ready to... Uh, uh, just about ready to cut. And, of course, the cool thing is is that they say that it's a good thing to cut the scapes. Well, frankly, even if it wasn't a good thing, I probably would be harvesting them and because they are so good on the grill. They're just absolutely delicious. If you haven't tried them, it's, it's really well. It's a, it's a real uh, gourmet treat to, to have uh, garlic scapes. And... Uh, grilling is absolutely uh, terrific. I just oil them a little bit, uh, throw them right on the grill, and uh, and then just turn them once or so. It doesn't take very long, but maybe about four minutes on a side. So, but you as you you know as you cook them, you can test them and make sure they're nice and soft. Garlic scapes. Then. Um, the other thing that uh, I wanted to remind everybody is that the uh, Japanese beetles will be out in a, in a week or two. You want to make sure you get your traps up now so that you'll have the least amount of damage. They usually uh, settle in on top of my uh, pole beans. They they like the they like it up there and they chow down on the pole beans. They like those. Uh, they also attack my blueberry bushes and, well, just about everything else that they can get their hands on. But the the best way that I find is just get the traps that has the pheromone in it. It brings it may bring them in from outside of your garden, but it's still a, a better, best way that I know to, to treat them uh, some people uh, have had good luck with the, um, you know, with uh, the treatment that they have for it. But I never had much luck with it. I find that trapping is the best way to go about it. And this is the time of year, along with those sprays. Of course, we've had a lot of rain. I I sprayed last week. Uh, it was my first spraying for the asparagus beetle and um, the uh, asparagus beetle. I sprayed for those, but of course, it rained right afterwards, so I have to make sure, and it's been raining almost every day since, and uh, we expect uh, more rain this week, off and on, thunderstorms. Uh, still, I will spray again this weekend uh, with the, uh, I'm going to use the Captain Jack, because that, that treats the asparagus beetle as well as the, um, well, the potato beetle, which is... Uh, is due here pretty soon. Uh, so far, I haven't seen any sign of uh, the potato beetle. I've been turning leaves over and looking for them. My new potatoes are starting to flower, and they're kind of fun because they have these purple um, purple flowers to them, whereas uh, the other new potatoes that I have have white flowers on them. So it's nice to see they're flowering already, and I'll be spraying those as well as all the cabbages that I have. Okay. Well, that's uh, that's uh, the the news on spraying for the beasties and bugs and stuff. Of course, the um, the uh, chipmunks, of course, decided to uh, dig up all of my squash uh, seeds that I planted. So they have um, they have left me oh a couple uh, here and there, 
So I'm going to either have to find, either just replant or, or find some uh, squash sets or grow my own squash sets, one or the other. I haven't quite decided which way I'm going to go, but something, I'll do something today. And uh, let's see. Okay, that checks off some of those things. So we have a call. Oh, fantastic. Dick in Waterbury. Welcome. Hi, how Peter. Are, how are you? I'm good. How about yourself? Good. Uh, you were just talking garlic scapes. Yep. Uh, I just I just barely, like within the last half hour, cut mine. <laughs> Way to go. How do you cook yours? Yeah. Uh, well, stir fries, and my wife is sitting here, and we're looking at the garden. So, said, oh, she's going to have to try grilling some. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now, I know yeah, some how people... Far down the, how far down the stem do you cut yours? Um... I cut them uh, right to where they start to straighten out. And what you can use is, you know, the only the only part that's usable is is fairly soft. You know, you can't really soften them up if they're really hard. So I just kind of look for the spot that's that's where it's soft. You know, where it's snappable. And that's kind of the same way that I treat my asparagus. You, you know, the the bottoms are fairly tough and stringy, so you don't really want those. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, but if you go ahead and just cut them right at the, you know, right about oh, a foot up, you can cut them and then trim them later. That works fine, too. Either way, you yeah. want you want them out of there, so. Yeah. I actually give a bunch to my neighbor who makes mm-hmm. fantastic pesto with them. I was just going to say that. Just going to say oh, it yeah. makes very good pesto. So you have somebody. And so do they bring some back for you? Oh yeah! Oh, oh man, yeah. We, we do we do a lot of trading. Oh, that's fantastic! That's the way to go, yeah. Dick. I like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now, um, tomatoes. I've got a couple of tomato plants that have got some yellowish on the bottom leaves. Yeah, yeah. Well, just take your uh, take a knife or just simply break them off. Uh, they okay. what what you're seeing is uh, a, a very natural um, sequence of events. Okay, Mm -hmm. the tomato plant really only uses the top four leaves of the tomato plant. Those are the ones that collect the and make the collect the sun and make the chlorophyll. All of the ones below, right? uh, The plant itself starts to callus those off, and what you're seeing is just a natural um, shedding. You know, it's sort of like a a dog shedding. This is shedding the bottom leaves, and that's why I'm not missing anything. Then no, no, not at all. And what I I suggest is once you see a flower set, cut everything up to the flower. And then once your next flower set, cut all the leaves up to that. And that way the plant uh, can put all of its energy into those uh, forming tomatoes. Now, an interesting thing about tomatoes, right, is that they aren't necessarily pollinated uh, by the bumblebees and the honeybees and all the rest. They uh, they are actually self-pollinating, and and the top flowers tend to pollinate down. So um, what uh, what if you have a greenhouse or something, and uh, you know you wrap on the the pole that's uh, that they're they're strung to, and then that shakes them, and then the shaking. So if you have them outside and you have them on you know wooden stakes or like me, I've got them on my metal trellises. I just shake those every time I go out. I just give them a wrap or two. Now I I saw a very extreme example of this. Uh, uh, somebody who posted on the on the YouTube and he was uh, suggesting that you beat your tomatoes and he had a rolled up newspaper and he was whacking the <laughs> tomatoes. And I thought, well, that might be a little bit extreme, but the but the the idea is the same. Is you wanna you wanna get them to self-pollinate and that's how that's how it works anyways well actually my father used to do that with an apple tree oh no kidding baseball bat and wrap it with a towel wow and go out there and give it a few whacks well by golly that's cool i like that (laughs) (laughs) when Uh, it's flowering yeah yeah and i posted this the other night on front porch forum but i just threw it out there i was playing golf a couple days ago at blush hill yeah uh, and we were standing there, and we could hear something, some real loud buzzing. Yeah. And a huge swarm, and I'm assuming they're honeybees. Yeah. Went went flying by. So if anybody you know, right around Waterbury area is missing any honeybees, well, I know where they might have been at one point in time. So I don't know where they are now, but. <laughs> But it was quite the sight, I'll tell you. That is a sight to behold. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, we, we had four guys that were kind of ducking in a hurry. 
I'll bet. Yeah. <laughs> you want to stand still for that one. Right, right. Okay. Well, thanks for the call, and uh, right. we have another caller, Tim from Greensboro. Tim, how are you today? Hey, thanks for taking the call. You're most welcome. What's so, up? I've got these little critters that are eating my uh, squash leaves and... Uh, uh-huh. And pumpkin leaves, uh-huh. they're uh, about a quarter inch long, yellow and black striped, and they do have wings. They look like a beetle, but they've got wings. Yellow and black striped critters that eat... Uh, yeah, the stripes go with the, you know, lengthwise of the body. Um, how do I get rid of these little buggers? Well, um, uh, it doesn't matter if it's a beetle or a or a... Or a a bug, if it's a bug, one one or the other. What I would do would be I'd use that same treatment. The spinosad really works well. Spinosad, and that's what you're talking and about. And that's Captain the Captain Jack. Jacks. Yeah, yeah. There are I, there are other forms, but this is the one that that uh, our sponsors carry, and that's the one that I use myself. Okay. And it's easy. It's uh, four tablespoons per gallon. You spray it on. Uh, well, you just check the um, check the. Uh, um, Check the little booklet that comes with it. And make sure okay. that you got it. But uh, I'd like to know what that is. Uh, it, it 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 doesn't sound like the squash beetle. Well, I can send you a picture. Yeah, sure. Okay. Yep. And uh, um, we we actually have a an email that you can send it to me, or you can. I'm not okay, sure. Okay. What's you, that? Uh, Joel, what is that? That's P. Burke. So it's the just U R K with an E or not? With an E, P yep. Burke, yep. and that's at uh, is it Radio Vermont? Yeah, dot com. And all spelled out Radio yeah, Vermont. Yeah, right. P Burke at Radio Vermont dot com. com. Yeah, okay. super. I'll I'll take a look at that. Yeah, yeah, good. And you know, I did spray them with uh, <clears throat> some stuff that I've got here, and they came back the next day. Oh yeah. This stuff's called Safer. It's a um, oh yeah. Yep. And um, but I noticed that this morning when I did it, uh, there was still a few around, mm-hmm. and they kind of wandered around the leaves and then mm-hmm. toppled off after about five minutes. So, oh yeah, okay, and onto the ground. And I don't know if these guys are coming out of the ground or coming airborne or what, but you can mm. take a look at them and let me know. Okay, we'll take cool. a look. Thanks, I appreciate Thank that. Thank you very much. Um, you. Uh, what you can do is just uh, take a pencil or something and just poke around in the ground and see if you can find any grubs there. And, oh, yeah. and also look on the stems. I don't know if they're long enough to have good-sized stems, but uh, see if there are if they're, uh, any holes in the stems, if no. maybe they're boring. No, they, these are they're not very tall. Okay. Oh, another thing with the pumpkins, I've noticed that these stems, right where they're coming out of the ground, look like they're starting to dry up already. Turning white, huh. and um, and and the leaves are still green. The, yeah, the leaves, leaves are aren't green. yellow. And uh, the, these uh, these plants are only maybe four inches tall total so far, so they're not really advanced. We're we're up here in the Northeast Kingdom where it's kind of cold. Uh, well, that should be all right. Uh, I mean, it kind of cold is still sixty five seventy, and yeah, that well, yeah be... the, the ground is warm. Yeah. Yeah, and and we've had quite a few days of um, yeah. of ninety degrees or whatever. I guess we didn't quite get the ninety degrees all the time, but we had certainly three or four days yeah. where. Would you suggest that I hill the ground up around these? Uh, I poke a, I poke around and see if you can't find uh, if in, if there aren't some. Um, some larvae around. No, well, around what I was concerned about was the fact that the stems are look like they're drying. Mm. I didn't know if I should bank up around those. Uh, generally, you don't heal around uh, a squash plant, okay. although it, it will uh, it will put down uh, uh, it will put down roots right from yep. the vine. Okay. So there's no real harm in it. You definitely can do that. Okay. But Just want to keep them what's moisture. what are you what are you doing for watering? Um, well, I've been actually using some manure tea recently. Yeah. And uh, just but also individually watering with uh, either the hose or a watering bucket right on the plants. That should be fine, too. Yep. Okay, well, I'm going to look at your picture and see what I can figure out. Thanks for the call, Tim. Okay, yep, take care. Yeah, well, let's... We'll have an answer for you. So we have another caller. Okay, can we take Steve from Ferrisburg? Steve, how are you? 
Hey, I'm doing well. How about you, Peter? Good, good Hi, Joel. <laughs> What's hey, up? Hey, I got a rhubarb question. Okay. And it's that I've got big leaves. I got beautiful stalks and yep. lots of them. It's yep. healthy looking. It's tasteless. Ta- I mean, it just has no flavor to it. It's it's not tart. You're it's, not getting the tartness. Um, yeah. No, well, not at all. Well. At this point, did, I mean, when you first got your rhubarb and you cut it, was it? Did it have the sour? You know, the the tartness. No, and, and I'm talking about weeks ago when we first started harvesting it, and um, you know, my wife made a rhubarb crisp, and yeah. like we always do, it's been good other years. Yeah, and yeah. we start eating it, and we <laughs> stare at each other like this isn't right. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and then every once in a while, I would go out and I'd pick a stem here and there and take a bite. And so I don't know if it's a nutrient thing or what. No but tart. It's frustrating. Wow. Yeah. Um, so the first thing I probably uh, would suggest is uh, is to check the pH. Um, a lot of people believe that if it's uh, if it's too acidic, um, you don't get the flavor. And so, okay. uh, you know, that when you sweeten the soil. But, you know, that pretty much you got to start with a with a pH test just to make sure because, it, right. you know, you don't want to sweeten it too, too much. Uh, but uh, do, what do you use for uh, fertilizer for, for your uh, rhubarb? I just put some uh, composted manure on it Compost in, manure, in the yeah. spring. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yes, so that's a, you know, there's a good chance that it's a little bit on the acidic side. And okay. the, that it almost seems counterintuitive that to sweeten the soil makes it more tart. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it doesn't seem to make sense, but uh, uh, actually, rhubarb is a very heavy feeder, and you could put some of a fertilizer on it, and uh, that would be a good thing for it, as, as far as okay. just uh, as an annual annual event, um, at least uh, at least at the end of the year for the beginning of the season, and then once mid year, about this time of year, is a good time to give it another uh, another shot. So something like a pro grow or yeah, a absolutely pro grow, exactly right. Okay, yeah. And then for uh, I, I kind of like the dolomite lime myself because it has more calcium and manganese and other stuff in it. But you know, just any kind of powdered lime would be good. But yeah, well, that could be it because I haven't put lime on it for yeah. forever, really. Yeah. So right, and and you know that that's uh, that's a it, it, it's more of a regular old. Uh, uh, um, uh, plant, you know, in terms of it's it's a fairly heavy feeder and it needs a lot of nutrients yep. to it. That's the only thing I can think of at this point. Well, it's a, it's a start. It's you a know, start. I, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I like that pH uh, suggestion. I think that yeah. I'll, I'll get I'll test it. I got to test it. So well, good. I well, like great. to hear what you find out. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, well, it won't be till next year. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, I, I don't know. Maybe this fall. You you never know. I I. Yeah. I I was talking, uh, who is it, Forbes, uh, uh, called uh, almost on the first show and said, hey, uh, how can you, uh, you know, you know, get get asparagus spread out a little bit, and and I read a tip. Did I tell you about this last week? Where where midsummer, you cut down, you don't harvest any asparagus in the spring, for yeah. one for one of your groups, and then about midsummer you cut the whole thing down. And then it'll you can harvest for another two or three weeks after that, and then let them go. And so you can oh, get you wow. can get fresh asparagus in uh, in July. Uh, wow! Yeah, isn't that cool? Yeah, that uh, I is. like that. I, and and we oh. actually uh, were so busy with other things in the garden that we didn't really uh, uh, we really didn't cut mu- cut much of our asparagus beds. So we're going to give it a try this year. Well, I got a bag of uh, ProGrow, and I'm heading to Agway tomorrow. I'll pick up some lime and give it a shot. Okay, Steve. Take care well, Thank now. you very Thanks much, for the Peter. call. Yeah, sure. Okay. Hey, so um, I just started going back, and the squash bug um, actually starts out kind of looking like a, a spider almost, and then it kind of bulbs out, but there's no yellow stripes on it. And then as it matures, it actually looks sort of like a, oh, 
uh, flat. I mean, it has a flat look to it, and there's no stripes on it. So I'm pretty sure that's, that that is not what, what we were talking about was the squash bug. So I still think that the spinosad is probably the way to go on that one. Uh, so, Joel, we have um, just want to remind uh, you gardeners out there to get out and do a second planting of your lettuces. Now is the time. And you want to focus on, on lettuces that are heat tolerant. And if you look at the catalogs or read the instructions on the packets, um, you know, your iceberg lettuces um, and your romaines are much more heat tolerant than, uh, you know, your early uh, butter crunch and the black seeded Simpson, the leaf lettuce, the head lettuces are, are more heat tolerant. Still, even with that, you want to make sure that you just have a continuous supply of moisture for them, uh, both at, when you seed them and um, and, and as they're growing. Uh, the other option that you have is if you have a, a set of lights uh, that you use to grow your, your sets for planting on Memorial Day or um, in the early spring, uh, why not turn them on again and plant another round of lettuce? And while you're at it, plant a second, uh, a, a second planting of your uh, broccolis and maybe even some, some kales as you... Uh, um, as you go along in the garden and they grow up and start to get really, really big, you have some smaller, fresher kales that you can, you can put in. And uh, those small leaves are actually so delicious that they will, um, the, they will go into a salad really nicely. They're, they're that tender. So second plantings are an important way to make the most of a small space. And you have a, I have a garden bed um, right now that I'm, taking uh, all of the radish uh, that haven't developed into into nice tubers. I'm taking them all out. My uh, spinaches have, um, of course, all, all bolted. Um, and so that leaves one whole bed that I can replant. Now, uh, I'm going to replant some uh, radishes. Um, not that I expect to get a lot of radishes, but every once in a while you get lucky. Um um, put a lot of manure um, compost, um, compost manure in there, like a Moodoo or Vermont Company uh, manure, and then replant some some of those as well. So those things, uh, lettuces, no matter what you do, and it's not that you're doing anything wrong, eventually will start to bolt. And I've I've cut oh probably a dozen lettuces out now that start to bolt, and they uh, they get kind of bitter and. Uh, some people don't mind the bitter. It's it's kind of like an endive. But um, the the thing that I have found is that when the the lettuces start to get bitter, you can actually use it in place of your endive if you're making like a minestrone soup and you use a, so you use a, a head of endive. You can use some of these lettuces that that have actually started to bitter up and they make a, a nice addition to a minestrone soup. And then. For second plantings, as I said, the uh, the broccolis, that's a good way to, if you like the big heads of broccoli and you you don't really, you know, care for the side shoots so much, or if you're growing a variety that doesn't have good side shoots, um, this is a good time to do a second planting of your broccolis. They'll grow, of course, right in through till November, so there's no, you still have plenty, plenty of time to, to keep growing um, and keep planting. Uh, Peter, a, a lady called who uh, mm -hmm. uh, was just a little radio shy, so yeah. I'll pass on her message. She, sure. She says that uh, she thinks that uh, that uh, strange bug we were talking about yeah. might be uh, the striped cucumber beetle. Oh, there you go. And uh, I just brought a photograph of one up, and uh, boy, I've seen those guys around. Um, and what, what she does is that she plants radishes around uh, her vine crops. And it seems that the, uh, in her experience, the striped cucumber beetle uh, first goes to the radishes and leaves the rest of it uh, somewhat untouched. So. Oh, yeah. No, you're absolutely right. That's, that's exactly what it is, the striped cucumber beetle. That's interesting. Same treatment that I mentioned. That would still be the spinosad or, or a thergicide, one or the other. I prefer the spinosad right now. But, uh, yeah, yeah, that's it. 
Absolutely. Long black stripes going down with yellow. Um, and, uh, yeah, I totally forgot about that. Well, you tell that shy lady, thank you. That was a huge help. Yeah, I, I remember, I gosh, I remember doing this uh, uh, in the old days, planting radishes around everything, and they they go there for their main course. And if uh, you give them enough enough of radish leaves, they'll uh, they'll leave the rest of it alone. Sometimes. That, that's that's new meaning to the old saying that it's had a radish, right? Yeah, right. yeah it's had the radish. Yeah. I, I like it. I like it. Well, that's a great idea. I I'm gonna go home and plant radishes around my squashes just uh, just to see how it works. What a great idea. I like that. Maybe I'll get lucky and get a radish. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and again, my, my I have the most fun instead of buying several different bags of radish seeds. Mm-hmm. And I think, uh, well, at least Burpee does. Yeah, uh, you can buy one that's mixed radishes. Oh, the Easter egg. Yeah, I think yeah, so they call you, it right. Yeah, so you never know yeah. exactly what you're going to get. <laughs> I always get one that's a lot hotter than I thought it was, and uh, others that uh, really are good that I never thought of. But then again, I don't know which varieties they are. If I wanted to focus on them the next time around. But yeah, I like the, the mixed kind of radishes. Yeah, that's great. The, the surprise inside, right? <laughs> well, that's that's a great, the, the striped cucumber beetle. There you go. We have an answer. And that is definitely it. Uh, and uh, it seems to uh, even like the flowers as well. Now, I, I planted um, the, for the first time uh, lima beans, pole lima beans that I got from uh, the pine tree uh, uh, seeds over in Maine and uh, half of them came up beautiful and the other half just absolutely refused to refused to come up. I see sort of see a green stem there and I, I got to wondering if maybe the slugs had gone to it but I, I haven't seen any sign of them well they come out at night but I don't know uh, we'll, we'll see we'll see what's coming up with them maybe they'll they'll make a resurgence but I'm real fascinated with the uh, pole lima beans because um, you I like the lima beans, even though I don't buy them very often. It's one vegetable that I love that yeah. everybody else in the family just would not eat. So. Well, you can have some just for you. you I know, I, know. I, 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 I absolutely love them with butter on them. Uh, butter, yeah. yeah. Or, yeah. or you, if you have some like... Uh, uh, what do they call it? Lemon, lemon salt, or uh-huh. lemon pepper? Yeah, which is actually there's a lot of salt in it, but you know for, <laughs> that's used for grilling, uh, veg, uh, grilling meat and whatnot. But yeah, yeah any good. any kind of any kind of spice that you have in the uh, you know in the in the larder seems to make cucumbers or, or uh, uh, lima beans taste better. I've never heard of pole lima beans though. Yeah, that's what uh, drew me into it because I I really enjoy uh, growing pole beans. And uh, oh, uh, we speaking of of beans, we planted some purple ones, and oh. I was so surprised they have a purple stem. They're coming right up. Yep. Yeah, they're mine are coming. We have another caller here, so let's see. Sure, we, I'm just going to go blind this time. Okay, <laughs> and, go blind. Uh, first name in town, please. Oh, hi. This is Jim from Waitsfield. You're hey, on. Jim. How are you? Welcome aboard. What's up? Well, I have a couple questions. Had a woodchuck problem. Oh boy. <laughs> um, Problems ended though. I, the other the other day, I said to my neighbor who also has a garden, I said, "Kim, we have a woodchuck problem." He said, "Not anymore." <laughs> Not anymore. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, so, I, well, a couple of questions. Do woodchucks do woodchucks have families? I mean, is there, oh yeah. Once you get yeah, oh, once, yeah. So once you yeah. get the one, yeah. Well, it just depends where they are in the cycle. You know, if if they're if the young are at that age at this time of year, this is when I had one last year. And when we got the one, it took care of of, of all of them. So okay, um, yeah. we, we know, didn't see any other ones. We only yeah. saw this one big guy. Yeah. Running around. and you can't miss them. Yeah, they're they're so big and fat. Oh yeah, yeah. but they were just literally mowing down. Yeah. You know, well, were... <laughs> my second question is: so he got into my garden, mm-hmm. ate lettuce, kale, both of which is coming back. Yeah, yeah. Did some some bean some uh, some beet tops. Yeah, um, that seems to be coming back. Yeah, he he got the um, my Brussels sprouts. Oh, they're uh, going to come back, or are they going to? Mm, probably not. Gonna, no, probably I not. I mean you can you can uh, you know do a rain dance or something over them and yeah. hope for the best. Uh, uh, you know, to say a little prayer is about all I can think of because uh, they. Well, they might come back. I, I've had uh, I've had the. Um, 
uh, slugs eat down my uh, cabbage plants. And even though they looked like little stubs, they put out a little green leaf and went on to, to, yeah. to grow just fine. But uh, that's, a, that's a good question. I, if you can find sets, it's still not really too late. They're roughly 100 days yeah, well, that's what I thought. I can't find these sets, though. I yeah, that's the that's the problem, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I've got that same problem with my squashes. I I, I need some butternut uh, sets, so that's that's what I was saying earlier. I have to decide whether I'm going to have to plant them indoors to to keep the chipmunks away, or if I was going to just try again, or if I could see if maybe uh, somebody had some squash plants. I checked at Bare Roots, and they're they're done. So they're not having any. I'll check it. Thomas is there on the Barry Montpelier Road. See if maybe they have them. Well, you know, who knows? Yeah, can we, you just call Von Trapps up in Whitefield. They might. They had a bunch of stuff up the mm. Mm. That's a good idea. Yeah. They didn't have any puzzle spots. <laughs> <laughs> I, I lived right down the road from. There. Well, if I uh, if I see some in my search today, I'll, I'll let you know next let, week. Well, let us know. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Check. Uh, do you ever do Facebook? Check Facebook because if I see them, I'll put it on Facebook. <laughs> oh, okay. Sure. Okay. Sounds good. All right, okay. Jim. Hey, thanks for the call. Thanks okay, for listening. Okay. Thank you. Yep. Bye. Bye. Uh, did you have another caller, or were you just doing another question? No, that was a, a wrong number. Believe oh, me. wrong. Number. <laughs> <laughs> Although I was going to just comment one thing about pole lima beans. Yeah. Pole beans in general seem to me to taste better than the bush beans. Because we used to grow the purple beans and the uh, the yellow beans mm-hmm. in both in, in you know in both ways both yeah. pole beans and it always seems that the pole beans taste, taste it a lot sweeter. Yeah, well the the Roma style pole style bean, whether it's polar or bush, um, seems to have more flavor in my mind. That's the one that's sort of flattish. Whereas the, the the regular you know green bean is kind of roundish you know it looks like a like a pencil, whereas the Roma ones that are flattish they seem to have more flavor. I like uh, I like their flavor the well, best. One one year we planted a, a pole bean that had red flowers. Yeah. And um, it it wasn't they, they even advertised that it's not excessively edible. <laughs> oh really? But um, but it attracts hummingbirds, and indeed oh. it did. So oh, if you yeah. ever see that advertised, and you want to see hummingbirds, that one year hummingbirds huh. just love that teepee uh, with all those red flowers on them. Yeah, well we have um, besides the lilacs, they, they seem to like those, but they really like the blueberries, which surprises me because those aren't really red. <laughs> and then uh, of course the um, uh, comfrey, we, and we have quite a patch of comfrey, um, and uh, they seem they really they go after that comfrey like crazy because it has that kind of trumpet-shaped flower, a little trumpet-shaped flower that works well for them, and they will uh, they actually go and sit on the top of my trellises and then sort of dive bomb into <laughs> into the. Um, the comfrey, and I've actually seen uh, two or three of them going at it, sort of fighting for territory, you know, buzzing each other. It's, it's funny, I, you know. Yeah, there you know, aren't, aren't that many of them around. We only have one species in Vermont. And yeah. yet, uh, you know, so it's kind of an event when one of them comes to my hum- hummingbird feeders outside. No question I, about it. But I've noticed that they, yeah, they, they spend more time chasing each other away. <laughs> than act- And there's plenty for everybody, but I guess that's not, uh, you know, a message that, re- you know, that resonates with them. This is not in their DNA. Yeah, right. They're going to fight for, for that little bit, and that's it, you know. But uh, yeah, you know, I I grow the um, uh, bush beans because I like to make dilly beans, and so you get a, a big batch all at once that you can make dilly beans with. Um, also, it's really nice to have a, a great big batch to to uh, have just green beans, and we use the uh, little bit of butter or olive oil in that. Uh, that um, umeboshi vinegar on top of that, and that's like eating popcorn. It's so delicious. But I like the pole beans uh, because they are, you know, you get a little bit on a regular basis. So you can add them to your your um, stir-fry or garden garbage or whatever you want to make. You can put them in your minestrone soup or whatever. And the, so they come along. A little at a time. It's sort of like succession planting, uh, the easy way. 
because you get a little bit on a regular basis. We have a call, a couple callers on the line. First, uh, your first name in town? Yeah, it's Ted in Shelburne. Hi. Hey. Turn my mic. There you go, yeah. <laughs> hey, Ted, how are you? Oh, I'm right here now. That's quick. Um, a <laughs> couple of things. One is I heard I, I was wandering in the neighborhood a little bit, so I missed most of the show till a few minutes ago. Oh. I heard the butternut squash. I actually have a few extra plants, but we have a lot of uh, social distance between us. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, and before I put them out, I also have a stone wall condo for chipmunks. Oh, boy, isn't that? And I'm wondering what... Uh, Will it be a forever problem because I can protect them with cages when they're young, I guess, and I hadn't thought about that, but I'm thinking Mm -hmm. now. (laughs) Well, I studied the chipmunk problem a little bit because we've we've sort of had a cycle of chipmunks, and this is one of those years where they're just hearing about. Yeah, yeah, they're just chipmunks, and and uh, they they definitely did my squash plants in, as I explained. Um, So you can, you know, they live in about. uh, small communities, about 50 or so. Well, and I, mean, that, I can't, uh, I'm stuck with that, as I say. I yes. have a stone wall. You have, a, you have the pers- perfect nesting ground. Right. Um, and now, I have to say that uh, one of the guys at work said, oh my God, I got four foxes that just came out from underneath my shed. Oh, yeah. So I, <laughs> I think that there's sort of the balance of nature is that, you know, you're going to see more of the, the small predators right. uh, coming out. So uh, I should uh, I, I told him that if he advertised, he probably could find homes for those. <laughs> well, I will try. I guess I'll try some hardware cloth when the plants are small, but yeah. they spread. Yeah, they they don't seem to do much with a, a larger plant. They go f- seem so far okay. has been my experience. They go for the. Uh, uh, for the small, just sprouting seed. I found one that was just pulled right out of the ground. You could see the seed still and the root coming out of it. I don't know oh, why, he yeah. didn't, why he didn't eat that one, but he ate all the rest of them. Uh, uh, the other yeah. thing, of course, they do is they'll, they'll get right up on the strawberry bushes and eat your strawberries. And I have seen them actually climb my trellises all the way to the top of the, uh, uh, the, the sugar snap peas. So, yeah, you, there's a number of uh, different ways to trap them, but the... Um, no, I mean, I'm not going to do hand-to-hand combat. No, I'm you're not, okay. do isolation. Yeah, isolation, yeah. Uh, yeah, so that's the other way around is just protect your plants. And you can do that with a row cover. They don't seem to really like to go under those row covers so much. But uh, even that's a bit on the iffy side. Yeah, um, I actually have some metal that I can oh, work to some yeah. degree with. That's a good, that's a good idea. Now, our dog is absolutely not interested in chipmunks at all. Uh, so, unfortunately, I was sort of hoping she might she might get interested in them and chase them off, but uh, that hasn't happened yet. So. And I've well, been rubbing the cradle a little bit with garlic because I just don't have any of last year's and I don't want to go buy somebody else. I don't so blame I, you a bit. Go for it. Out. Well, the scapes have good garlic flavor, so you can just harvest your scapes. Well, and I I am deviant with scapes. I leave them be part of the plant for the most part, <laughs> although I've done some young ones. Like I don't think that's a deviant uh, behavior, but... Well, I will, it's almost time, though. Mine, and I'm not sure, like, there's, looking at, from the ground up, there are two dried-up yeah. brown leaves. I, know, I noticed that on some, uh, on some plants that I was, I was driving over here to Waterbury. And my scapes have sort of gotten a little bit untender and beginning yeah. to harden up, and, yeah. and that's when I just take the top inch off. Yeah, right. Leave most of the green plant there yeah and it's coming time to do that yeah um but it's looking good i had two two weeks ago i missed the show because just as it was beginning i got a help call from a a friend garlic neighbor with leek moth issues oh oh, yeah did a hopefully rescue or starting a rescue of his crop it was almost every one of hundreds that's it's pretty pretty nasty when you see it for Probably. sure. Mine a mile or so away are, and I had a small encounter last year, but this year mm-hmm. I haven't had mm-hmm. to call on Captain Jack at all. Yeah, and that's what you use then, is Captain Jack. 
I have used it as a possible. I mean, I get right down and personal yep. with them as with each plant that yep. I see, and a little pointy knife I have, which yep. we did come up with That's a few what, actual yep. wormy things. Wormy things, yeah. My friends. Yeah, that's what they okay, were saying. Good. Well, I'm glad. All I right. Well, thanks for the, the call, Ted. Thanks very much. Yeah. yeah. And I'll protect the butternuts. Okay, good. Please. <laughs> Maybe I'll have some spares to bring over when the end season is over. Thanks a lot. Bye. All right. Take care. Uh, Pete or Nola, which one are we doing first here? Enola was first, but uh, it's your program. Well, uh, Nola, how are you? Will not take too much time. <laughs> However, I had the opportunity, I don't think that's the right word, to spend almost the entire day Thursday at Dartmouth-Hitchcock Medical Center yeah. um, being checked out to make sure that the radiation on my brain back in the 1990s to kill the brain tumor hadn't destroyed my retina in my left eye. And I was Jeez, told Lola. it's going to be okay. Well, that's it was good a news. long, terrifying day. I bet. Um, I spent time with a lot of good people, six feet apart. But when I got back home, hardly able to see because, of course, they dilate your eyes. Mm-hmm. I thought, God, I love gardening, grasshoppers mm-hmm. and all. I mm-hmm. love it. <laughs> <laughs> and so, it's funny how your show goes from the beginning of the season when everybody's calling in and saying, "Should I plant this? Should I plant that?" Mm-hmm. To now when we're all calling in and complaining about (laughs) groundhogs and grasshoppers and cucumber beetles. So for the sake of the man Mm -hmm. and the groundhog Mm -hmm. at his house, I was hoping you'd let me share a Robert Frost poem. Please do. Please do. Okay, this is through the mind and the mouth Mm -hmm. of the woodchuck. (laughs) One thing has a shelving bank, another a rotting plank. To give it cozier skies and make up for its lack of size. My own strategic retreat is where two rocks almost meet. And still more secure and snug, a two-door burrow I dug. With those in mind at my back, I can sit forth exposed to attack as one who shrewdly pretends that he and the world are friends. (laughs) (laughs) It's so good. All we who prefer to live have a little whistle we give. And flash at the last, at the least alarm, we dive down under the farm. We allow some time for guile and don't come out for a while. Either to eat or drink, we take occasion to think. <laughs> and if after the hunt goes past and the double-barreled blast, like war and pestilence and the loss of common sense, mm. if I can with confidence say that still for another day or even another year, I will be there for you, my dear. This is to another woodchuck. It will be because, though small, as measured against the all, I have been so instinctively thorough about my crevasse and burrow. (laughs) Go, woodchuck, but go away, too. Yeah, go away, too. (laughs) So there you go. And as far as grasshoppers go, they're destroying the greenhouse. The diesel is skeletal. And I have been given permission by the De- Vermont Department of Agriculture and Hazelrig, she's a great lady, to smuggle some of the product, which is available, this product I used to use, but not in Vermont. Uh, because oh. we can't afford to get it registered in Vermont. We just don't have enough money. Oh, there you go. So my precious, precious mother-in-law is mm-hmm. going to get it in South Carolina ship it to Vermont. Oh, good. Well, congratulations. uh, We'll keep our fingers crossed for you, Nola. Farming police come after me now? Well, sure. Let them come. Okay. All right. Have a great day, and good luck with the groundhog problem. Hope it goes well. Yeah. (laughs) See you later. Bye-bye. Take care, Nola. Thank you. you. Okay, and I guess we have Pete and Barry. Pete, how are you doing? How are things over there? Pete, how are you? Uh, Pete and repeat. Yes, I'm good. Yes, yes. Well, you said that last time I, I called. I did, yes. <laughs> uh, I repeated uh, I, I myself. Got... <laughs> well, I'm not so sure. I probably have a few years on you, so <laughs> yeah. So I guess it would be repeat. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Uh, what I'm calling about is actually a couple of things. I came late to the program. Yeah. So... You know, like everybody else, I've had woodchuck problems. Mm -hmm. And what I've found uh, is that uh, 
if you find a burrow, yeah. clear uh, an area around them. They're low on the food chain. Yeah. And clear really a lot of area around them because oh. they're very skittish. Oh, that's clever. I like that. And then I take a stick, put it down in the burrow, mm-hmm. and, and put a can on top so that when they come in or out, as the case may be, it rattles. And it makes it uncomfortable because, again, because they're, they're well announcing, the yes, they're announcing their arrival. I see. I see what you're saying. Yeah. Put the stick so, in a can. It's, okay. it's worked for me. That's great. What a clever idea. I like that. Well, I try to, I, what, I, what I've tried to do is say to them, this is not a welcoming neighborhood, mm-hmm. so move along. Now, yeah. I can't tell you what my neighbors might think of my idea. <laughs> you, you'll loan them the stick in the can? <laughs> <laughs> no, because they might just come back my way. <laughs> you kick the can down the road, huh? Yeah, <laughs> Literally. <laughs> uh, so, uh, as I say, I came late to the program. Yeah, so, well, here's my question. Yeah. When, what is the best time of year to lime? Well, the it's interesting because, and it's a good question because uh, lime is one of those things that needs uh, some uh, biological activity to actually break it down. So you can put lime on today, and but it won't break down for a while. It won't break down until it's had uh, weeks of biological activity in it. So it's not a it's it's best to lime uh, in the fall, so it has the the winter over and the in the early spring to break it down. Um, I see. But the best time to lime is whenever you test and your and and your soil is acidic. So that that's uh, that's just one of those things where you know you you if it's on the acid side, put the lime in. Don't worry. Don't don't wait. Mm-hmm. So well, the, the reason the reason I ask is uh, an earlier program. Mm-hmm. Uh, I asked you about getting rid of ferns, and you said, yeah. "Well, the best way to get rid of a ferns is to, just to lime." Right, to lime them, yeah. So, and uh, you know, it might, I doubt that it would have any kind of immediate action, but you know, right. it's it's gonna it's gonna take a little while. You know, the rain and, mm-hmm. and of course right. the the biological activity in the soil itself, where as it breaks it down. I see. Um, I, see. I you know, yeah, that that yeah, that's the way it is. So the best time is just whenever you well, find it's acid. If you're a gardener, you have patience. <laughs> you have to have patience. Yeah. Thank you very much, Pete. All right, you too, Pete. Bye bye. Yeah. Take care. Oh my goodness. <laughs> well, I. I have a lot more that I was going to get to, but uh, we're all pretty getting pretty close to the end of the end of the line here. I um, uh, when I first started uh, this year, one of my thesis or themes was growing a uh, your garden as grocery store. You know, what would it take to to um, garden groceries for two people? And uh, just doing a little bit of math and. And with, uh, you know, basically just uh, thumbnail estimates, uh, I figured that uh, it would be about 450 pounds of vegetables per person times two would be 900 pounds of vegetables, right? Uh, did you remember where we were talking about this earlier? And I went through and just said, okay, well, I want some broccoli, I want some onions, I want some collard and kales and lettuces and lettuces again in the summer and chard and zucchini and summer squash. And I like my vine, trombone zucchini and cherry tomatoes and regular jet stars and tomatillas. And and then uh, I like uh, spinaches and carrots and beets and lots of beets and uh, sugar snap peas and regular peas and, you know, red potatoes and some garlic so i figured all that out of so much per per each one and it came out to be 24 four by four beds could grow and easily produce about 900 pounds per year now i i i posed the question at the time and i'm just going to re re repose the question is do you grow enough for your family? Is it two or four uh, or eight or 20? Um, 
do you grow enough, and and what do you what do you use as a as a measure or as a metric to uh, how many pounds of this or that do you use? I'm curious to see in, if uh, if anybody else has has uh, been that uh, anal as to try to sit down and figure it out. <laughs> I <laughs> and I I did the same little metric for uh uh for fruits, you know. And so if you wanted to grow uh, enough fruits for two people, it would be it would be less than the vegetables. It would be about like 700 pounds. So I I find I find that those things are curious and interesting and and a challenge for any gardener is what would it be like to actually produce all of the fruits and the vegetables that uh, that you needed to get through a year? You know, I, I find that fascinating. So if anybody has has figured that out, I'd love to hear about it. And uh, and if you just grow enough potatoes to get you through the season, I'd like to know about any individual. You know, for instance, we grow uh, we grow. Two beds, uh, twelve square feet each of uh, of um, bush beans, and so we put up about thirty quarts of dilly beans, mm-hmm. and usually that gets us through the through the winter. You know, to where about this time of year we're all done, and and uh, my wife has either given them away or we've eaten them up one or the other. <laughs> so they're so good, dilly beans. Yeah, yeah. Here. So the the berries, I sort of got to the point where I did uh, four four beds of uh, strawberries, four by four beds, and uh, and then uh, two two vines of uh, grapes. Uh, I've got ten blueberry bushes, and actually it's down to nine now. I lost one, and then I've got uh, six uh, six dwarf apple trees, and that comes up to a little bit under the seven hundred pounds, six hundred and forty pounds, if everything. Uh, if everything you know goes right, and it might be over 700 if I have a really good apple year. Sort of depends on it. So I I find that stuff interesting. And and as a gardener, if you um, you know grow all the fruits and vegetables that you need for your family, I'm really interested to hear from you. And on that note, mm. is that is that about right, or do we have some more time? No, I think no. We're right on. Uh, we're right on the button. Oh, okay, great. So, Great. So it'll be next week once again. Once again in the garden. Inch by inch, row by row, gonna make this garden grow. All it takes is a rake and a hoe and a piece of fertile ground. By inch, row by row, someone bless these seeds I sow. Someone warm them from below till the rain comes tumbling down. In the Garden today, brought to you by Menard's family-owned True Value Store, Brooklyn Street in Morrisville. These flowers and garden shop, Main Main Street, Waitsfield. Broughton's Big Country Hardware. They're your authorized Cub Cadet dealer in Bridport. By Clausen's Florist Greenhouse and Perennial Farm. Locally grown just for you and with their Mega Monday coupons. Right there on Main Street in Colchester. Your locally owned Montpelier Agway, East Montpelier Road. By Thomas Farm and Garden on the Barry Montpelier Road. By Sticks and Stuff and Swanton Lumber in Middlesex, St. Albans, Enosburg, Swanton, and Derby. Sticksandstuff.com. By Guy's Farm and Yard Stores in Morrisville, Montpelier, Williston, and St. Albans. By PR Lumber, family owned lumber mill with all the lumber, mulch, and compost you need. Route 15 in Wolcott. And by the Willie Store in Greensboro, celebrating 120 years of family ownership. Be sure to join us next Saturday at 1230 during the noon hour for In the Garden with Peter Burke.